trust in Jesus? Has he showed up over and over again in just miraculous ways? Hey, Susan, come up here a minute. Come up here. Surprising her. <laughs> That's one of our volunteers. I want you all to see the back of their shirt. Show them the back of your shirt. Called to serve. Today we're talking about uh, David the servant. And uh, so, all right, you're good. Thank you. That was easy enough. You may want to turn my mic down just a hair, Joe. It's ringing just a little bit. Um, but we're talking about David the servant this morning. We're in our sermon series on David. And um, I love it that our, our youth, our children's volunteers, they decided they had these shirts designed and uh, what showed up on the back of it was called to serve, which is what I believe each and every believer, each and every Christian is called to do. Uh, this morning, we're going to look uh, at the next passage of Scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 16 as we talk about uh, David and his life. You remember last week, who remembers the title of last week's sermon? The Nobody. The Nobody. We looked at David when he was first anointed and called uh, by Samuel uh, that he was going to be the next king of Israel. An amazing thing. An amazing thing. You remember he was left... His father, Jesse, didn't even bring him to the celebration. He was left out in the fields tending to the sheep. David was a shepherd. All of his other brothers went, and his dad didn't even think enough of him to take him for consideration. Uh, if you were here, you know the story that Samuel showed up. He looked at all the other brothers, thought the first one looked like he could be a king, should be a king. And God said, hey, I look after the heart, not after what man looks at. Amen. And... David went through all the sons that were there, and he said, don't you have any more? And he says, Jesse, the father, says, well, I do have the least, the youngest, the most unimportant one. He's still out in the field taking the sheep. Samuel says, go get him. And when David shows up, the Lord speaks through Samuel and says, this is the one. This is the one that he had already gone, and he had searched David's heart. He had been there with him. He knew the potential that David had. David had a dream at that time, maybe to be the best shepherd boy that he could be. But God had a totally different dream for David. The next passage of scripture we get into takes us into, well, what happens after that? He's been anointed king of Israel. And uh, we, would, we would start sketching that out maybe in our own minds in a certain way. And well, now he knows he's going to be the king. So he's going to start doing things differently. He's going to be preparing. He's going to be getting ready to be the king of Israel. Um, but I want to show you how God draws up this play. Uh, everybody watching some UK football this year? Well, it's been a pretty good year so far. We just stop right here and say it's been good. Uh, but here God draws up a totally different play than we would draw up. Someone wants to look at it. Uh, and then I want us to take some truths from it and apply it uh, to our life this morning. Because I believe we're all called to serve. Let's read the passage of Scripture starting in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 14. And we're going to read all the way to the end of the chapter through verse 23. Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. 
All right, the very preceding verses, we find that as soon as Samuel anointed David, the Spirit of the Lord was with him, came upon David, and began to prepare him and was with him. Uh, whoa! Hey! Um, the Spirit of the Lord was with him. And so we find at the same time, at the same time, now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, who was the current king. Uh, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. In verse 15, Saul's attendant said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre or the harp. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you, and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, Find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man. And the Lord is with him. The son of Jesse, here this servant is talking about David. Then Saul sent messages to Jesse. Probably wasn't a text or Facebook messenger or an email. But he sent messages to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much. And David became one of his armor bearers, one of his right-hand men. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the Spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre or harp and play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. I want us to think here just for a moment. I want us to take a look at this passage of Scripture and see some truths that come out of it in David's life. David, who has now been anointed to be the next king of Israel. We find that what he did when Saul sent his men to him and when he sent a message to Jesse, his dad, he says, go get David out of the field. And we talked about this a little last week. That after David was called, he remained faithful in his service that he was in at the time. He was still out in the field, being the shepherd that he had always been, taking care of his sheep. I want us to think about this thought. And this is true in your life, and it's true in my life. God works his plans through people and circumstances. God works his plan through people and circumstances. This is contrary to what we oftentimes think and say, well, this was just by chance we ran into this person, or I lucked into this job, or, uh, you know, it just happened to work out this way. I can't believe it worked out this way. This situation with David, he'd been anointed to be king. He, and, you know, the path typically from shepherd to king <laughs> is, you know, non-existent. You don't, you don't come from being shepherd to be king, so he's nothing to look at and think, what do I need to do? What's my next step? What goals should I have? But God has already instituted the plan. And this plan, it just happens that in David's life, he was able to play a harp. He was skillful. It just happened that 
right? It just happened that the servants, when they saw that Saul was struggling with this evil spirit, they said, hey, you, uh, you need somebody skillful with the harp. And Saul says, maybe I do. Maybe I do need that. And then in God's providence, another servant says, hey, I know a guy. I know a guy. There's this little guy, Jesse's son. I've heard that he can play the harp. He's pretty talented and gifted. God's with him. He's strong. He even says he's good looking. David's good looking. And they go, and, it, and Saul says, sounds good to me. Call that guy. Little does Saul know this is his replacement that he's bringing into his court. That David, while he was out in the field wondering, God, you, you've told me I'm going to be king. How in the world do I get from point A to point B to point C to point D? And we find that God begins to use people and circumstances in David's life. That it wasn't by chance that this one servant had run into or some point heard about David um, and that he thought immediately David came to mind. Let's call David. Let's get David. Saul says, go get him. And they go and they uh, get him. What truth this has for us is... Uh, is that each and every one of us come into contact with people each and every day. Each and every one of us are uh, a part, a body of believers that God can use to change people's lives. What's important is that we look at every day. It's not by chance you run into people. I mean, I've looked at so many situations in, uh, in my life as just providential. I mean, they just are. There are things that I would have never accomplished. I would never be here pastoring a church had not God been a part of people and circumstances. The question is, we can look back and say, all right, that's how we got here. But the question is, what do we do with that going forward? How do we think about that? How do we live like that every day? That we just believe every person we meet, God brought them into our, into our presence. Gave us an opportunity to serve them, to love them, to witness to them, to talk to them, to become a light. And these little divine appointments is what I'll call them. They change the course of history. They just really do. I don't know if this is a, a divine appointment, but uh, this is an example of how the smallest thing can change the trajectory of time and lives and everything. There's several of these. We've had several in our church. I'll share you one, one I just experienced. I didn't know the, the history here. Um, you know, uh, um, I was, in, I was in Tupelo Thursday and Friday, Tupelo, Mississippi. Anybody know who was born there? Elvis. Elvis was born there. I was there for a conference, and uh, some Elvis fans here. This is church, guys. Come on now. Y'all not supposed to admit you like Elvis. Moved his hips. I'm not. 
And I thought, you know, I was at the, I got there late Thursday evening, and I was talking to some other guys at the conference, and they said, you know, Elvis was born here. The hardware store's right down the street uh, where his mom bought his first guitar, where he got his first guitar. And if you read the story, I went down, they had a plaque up out front, and I was just reading the story. And um, they went in there, and they were shopping for something for Elvis, and what he really wanted was a twenty-two caliber rifle. He could have been John Wayne. Elvis would have been in westerns. This would have been a totally different Elvis. His mom didn't want to get him a gun. She said, ah. and he, they, they, they negotiated, and they bought him a guitar. One moment. Is the world different because of that one moment? I could share many for our church. One moment after we had service over here, and you know the story, across the street, and we came out, uh, and Beth and I were getting ready to leave, and we were parked over there, and we were saying, should we get that number and call about this building? And I looked up, and the building owner was walking down the steps. We probably would have gotten the number. We might have called it. Maybe we'd have just called and talked and said, nah, it's too much. But instead, God told Janice, who owns the building, that day it had rained, and she told her, you need to go over there and check the building and see if the roof's leaking. That's why she was here. That's, what she, that's why she thought she was here. That's not why she was here. And because we got to meet face-to-face, we began to talk about the vision for our church and what we were trying to do. And the first year's rent kept coming down further and further because she believed in what we were trying to do. One moment, one providential connection, if you, you believe that's by chance, <laughs> I just don't. I don't believe anything in our life happens just by chance. I believe we look to see how God is moving and working in the people and the circumstances around. What David didn't have to do was make things happen. He just had to be faithful in little things, what the task he'd been given at the time, to be a good shepherd. What I loved is he, he, I don't think he was being the best shepherd he could be so people would see him. So uh, he, he was being the best shepherd he could be because he loved the sheep. Don't you believe that about him? Don't you believe that he was out there protecting the sheep? If, as we read on, we find that he killed a lion and he killed a bear. And, I mean, he's just, he's a beast of a shepherd. <laughs> he's a pretty good, pretty good guy. But he wasn't doing it at the time, hoping somebody saw him and it could get him to the next level. He was doing it with the right heart. He was being faithful in the little things. The second thing I want, so that's first. God works his plans through people and circumstances, and he's doing it right now in your life. That's just the truth. We either choose to see it or we don't. Maybe it's your first time to walk through this building. Not by chance. Maybe it's your second and third time. That's not just by chance. God is working in your life through people 
and circumstances. The second thing we see is the path to godly leadership always includes and requires godly service. You can't, you can't lead without serving. In the Bible, that's what leadership is. It's servant leadership. It's caring. It's being a shepherd. That's one of the titles he gives to pastors and leaders of the church. You're called to serve. Who do we serve? Everyone. Do we serve everyone? Should we serve everyone? When you think about that, who's that include? This is what makes it hard. Oh, I love serving you guys. I mean, in our church, we love serving each other. We love serving people who we think deserve to be served. It gets a lot harder to answer that call to serve people that we don't think deserves it. That we just look at them when we think, I'm not helping them. I'm not going to serve them. I'm not going to put them first. Um, but we're called to. We're called to serve the deserving, the undeserving, the wealthy, the poor, the righteous, the unrighteous, our friends, our enemies. We're called to serve and to love. To, serve, to be a servant means we genuinely need to care about people, just like David did. He cared about the sheep. That's why he gave everything uh, to take care of them. Uh, and it's keeping our eyes open to these divine appointments and opportunities. Another uh, divine appointment for me, I think, without a doubt, was when I met Bethany. That's my wife. I had, she had no reason to give me the time of day. Maybe she still doesn't. She had no reason. But God used people and circumstances in my life to turn my life completely around. And not for me, but for him. I think he knew I'm going to need you eventually to serve and to lead, but to lead through service. The path to godly leadership always includes and requires godly service. I want you to see this. Philippians 2, 3 through 5 says this, Rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others in your relationships with one another. Have the same mindset as who? As Christ Jesus. We find that although that David has been anointed king, he's a shepherd. And now when he finally gets to Saul, he becomes part of Saul's service. One of his servants of sorts. God's called him to be king, but now he's serving the current king. And David's in this situation, I mean, knowing like, hey man, eventually you're going to be gone. And I'm going to be the king. I probably at some point, especially as we go through this story and we see how, how, uh, how jealous Saul becomes and, and uh, he ends up turning on David uh, because David, God's with him, right? It says the spirit is with David and it's, it, the spirit of God has left Saul, so the spirit's with David. And, I mean, he just starts going, I mean, we know, y'all, y'all know the story of Goliath. This is after this. We, we know uh, what happens there. And David continues to be a leader, a military leader, leading armies. And all the people begin to talk and say, 
man, this David guy, <laughs> this David guy something. This doesn't float too well with Saul. I'd have probably at some point during that, just because I'm a human, maybe I wouldn't have, but I'd have wanted to, and you would have too. You would have loved to have leaned into Saul and just say, I've already been anointed. I'm going to be the king. Just let him know. You know, put him in his place. David never does that. David sees that God is using people and circumstances, and he's given him a path. He's given him a path. God's in, in these moments, in these times where you think God's given you a plan and a place to go, but then it all of a sudden comes to a halt, and you're like, wait. But just because he puts a hold on it doesn't mean he's not eventually going to fulfill it. Because David uses this time to learn and grow. He's never been in the king's court. I believe during that time when he was sitting there playing the harp, he was soaking in every word. He was listening to every situation. He was learning who the, you know, in a world like that, you learn who the players are, what the politics are like, and who doesn't like each other. And, who's, and he's not involved in any of that necessarily, but he's right in the midst of it, and he's hearing all about it. And he's learning, he's seeing what Saul does wrong, and he's growing. He's growing in his faith in God, and he's growing uh, in his leadership. So in those times of waiting, we learn and we grow. God anointed Paul to be king, but first he became a servant and he served. Our mission statement for our church is this, threefold. One, spread the good news of Jesus Christ. We want everybody to know about Jesus and the good news of the hope that he brings no matter your situation. We want to then equip believers, people who have stepped out in faith and they've heard the good news of Jesus. Not only have they heard it, but they've accepted it. They've repented it, repented from their sin, and they've accepted Christ, and they're moving forward with it. This is called disciple-making. We want to take those people and equip them to become leaders. We want to teach you more about the Bible. We want to teach you how to lead people, serve people. Uh, we just It's part of our mission to do that here. And the third thing is to unite believers to serve our community. We want to spread the good news of Jesus. The people who believe, let's make them stronger, better disciples so they can tell more people about Jesus. Uh, and then let's live our faith out by serving the community in which we live. You see, the thing that got David noticed by God were the things he did when he thought nobody was watching. Not the show that he put on like we tend to do, but the things when he thought nobody was watching, that's what caught God's eyes. This is our mission. What are we doing? What, what are we doing when we think nobody's watching? And are we doing it with the right heart because we just love people? All right, we're going to talk about how to serve as we get ready to wrap this up. I got a video here that I want to show you that shows you how not to serve. All right, this is, and this is, a, this is the way we tend uh, to do sometimes. The video's not great quality, but I think you'll get the gist of it, and we'll hope we got uh, some audio on it. Hi! Hi! <laughs> <laughs> 
It's your neighbors, Jim and Julina Sanders. From next door. How are you? Hey, hey, we totally know that you don't like going to church with us, so we're not even here to invite you to no. church, all right? We're not even here to tell you the four little happy hops to heaven. No. We're not even here to, to sell you fire insurance. <laughs> you know, from down there. Get that hell. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Hey, 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 hey. Honestly, honestly, yeah. what we want to do right now is we just want to serve you through the blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. That's, that's a good thing. Oh, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. Now, we know that you don't get us. No. And why should you? You're a heathen. That's we get right. that. All right? Yeah. yeah. So what we want to do is just be here to understand you and to serve you in yeah. some ways. You know, what can we do for you? That's what Jesus asked all the time. Yeah. How about this? Can we wash something for you? You're yeah. probably tired. Oh, Maybe idea. we could wash your dishes. Yeah, or, or, or wash your car. W w wash, wash the lawn. Or wash wash the mailbox. mailbox. How about we not do any of no. that, but we just come to do what we should do and let us just wash your feet. Yeah, because you know, Je wait, hang on. I'm not done. Jesus washed the disciples' feet, and so we want to wash your feet. Yeah, we, we know you're not our disciple. Yes. One more do is, I just got this water basin here, yeah. and I just want to wash your foot. Yeah. All right, stick out so your big toe. Just stick out your big toe. Come on, no, no. This will be over in just a minute. Yeah, just, get, get, just take yeah. a second. Okay, now I got the shoe, then just give me your toe, yeah, all right? Just, Come on, just give me your toe. Oh, well, that's a fine howdy do. I know. All right, well, we'll just leave the shoe here. We'll leave the brownies. I guess we'll go next door. Okay, can I can I talk more this time? Such a place, baby. Okay. What a friend we have in Jesus. So what do you think? Do we sometimes do that? Do we do do we sometimes uh, yeah we think while we're witnessing we serve while we're telling people when the best way to tell people about Jesus is just to live it and love them and serve them and give them time to say, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And you can say, because Jesus loves me and I love you. He loved me when I didn't love him. He loved me when I wasn't doing the right thing. He loved me. Uh, for Jesus so loved the world, not so loved the righteous people and the good people. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There's three ways we'll talk practically right now as we get ready to close. How do I serve? How do I, how do I have a heart like David? How do I serve? Uh, one is to volunteer. To volunteer. Uh, we got lots of opportunities here to volunteer. There's lots of opportunities in the community to volunteer. Uh, you can volunteer. Many of you may know or don't know that we have a, uh, a pay-what-you-can clothing thrift store, the closet, uh, led by all volunteers. You get to meet members of the community and share, just show them that we love them. Um, and we got a lot of volunteers in here to do that, but we could always use more. Honestly, we'd be love to open another day through the week. We're open two days right now, Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, so you can volunteer at the thrift store. You can volunteer in the children's ministry. Uh, you can volunteer in the community. There's community kitchens uh, there, the Appalachian Pregnancy Care Center, Coach for Kids, Salvation Army, Homeless Shelter. There are ways to just get out and to serve and volunteer, no strings attached. Just show people that you love them. The second one is a little different. It's kind of like volunteering because you're putting others first when you volunteer, but this is just in a daily, in your daily life. 
to put others first. I mean, it's as simple as letting somebody go in front of you in a line, um, babysitting someone's kids. I keep dropping that hint. <laughs> Babysit someone's kids. Maybe you're, you're older and you're retired and you have no little kids at home and you see your pastor and, uh, and other leaders and volunteers in the church that could use an evening, you know, just one. <laughs> You uh, could buy somebody's lunch that you know just they're not going to make it. They, they're struggling. You could take them uh, a bag full of groceries. You could make them dinner. You could mow somebody's lawn for them. You could put other people first. It's not You don't wake up thinking about other people normally. Try it. Try just thinking about it. Think, think, try this one. Think about your spouse first. Think about your spouse first. Now, if every couple in here, every spouse said, you know what, I'm going to think about my spouse first this week. If each one of you do it, this will be the best week of your marriage. I can promise you that. That's where we're called to. We're called to serve, even in a marriage. We have different roles, but at the end of the day, we're to put the other first. Every disagreement, everything uh, in a marriage that goes awry starts there, I think. It starts with somebody saying, I'm more important. My priority is more important. I don't, you know, I like putting the towels in the floor. That's just a thing I like to do. That is more important to me. Uh, So, you know, we're going to figure this out. Or do you say, if both of you say, well, where do you want me to put the towels? I'll put the towels where you want me to put the towels. Don't take it overboard. It's weird. <laughs> but if just in your heart you're willing to give a little, if both of you are willing to give a little, and you put Christ right in the middle of it, and the husband loves uh, the wife like Christ loved the church, how did Christ love the church? On a cross. <laughs> sacrificed everything because he loved us so much. If you've got a husband that's loving you like that, it's really easy for the wife to submit and say, I, we're going to serve God together. I turn to you, and you're both turning to each other, and together you're both turning up. That's a happy marriage. That's a godly marriage. Put others first. The third one is, a, and this is really as a church, but as an individual, you say, well, how do I know what to help or what should we do? Uh, and this is how God's church has always worked. It looks for the need. I mean, it doesn't get any more complicated than that. What are the needs around us? What are the needs for, of your neighbors? What are the needs in the community? That's where you're called to serve. The, the end of that uh, chapter 2 in Philippians says, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. Why do we serve? 
because Christ served. The one who had every reason. He was God. He was King of kings, Lord of lords. But he made the decision and took the form of a servant. He washed his disciples' feet. That story is not necessarily a directive that we should wash our neighbor's feet, that we should show up at their door with a bucket of water and a rag. It's an expression of service and love to do what may feel like the most humiliating thing, the most belittling thing for ourselves, but to put the neighbor first, to think about it that way. It says, being born in the likeness of man. He was God, yet he came down and lived just like you and I. Matthew twenty twenty five said this, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you, talking to his disciples. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. to be served he came to 
serve as we stand this morning. We see that David's path to leadership required godly service. We see that God used people and circumstances in his life. move his plan forward. I'm just going to ask you this morning as we close with an invitation to the altar, you can come and pray to look around you and say, is God using people, circumstances in my life? How is he using them? How can I do a better job to be a part of that, to serve him, to serve those people?
let us love them, let us serve them. Let's all sing together one last chorus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus.